Hey folks, one of the Redneck Country Podcast. You are almost real redneck Tom Millard, and of course, we've got the almost guy, real redneck Bill Tom Bill. Are you there? I am here, and uh, it's a beautiful night for a podcast. It is actually a beautiful night for a podcast. I just went for a run not not too long before we had this uh, before we started this recording. So yeah, I will I, I will concur. That. You had some uh, some numbers there that were pretty. I okay. had to gloat a little. I had to gloat a little. I mean, mm, I don't want to come off arrogant or anything like that or cocky. Yeah, it's way too early in the podcast for that to come out. That's for sure. <laughs> way too early. But yes, but I will. I will confirm. It is a beautiful night for a podcast. And beside me, as always, is Patriarch of Redneck Country, my father, real redneck, Domel, our dad. Is your mic hot? It is hot, and I'm fresh from an invited-out supper, and I walked over to wear some off. My nephew, who just moved back from Calgary, cooked a roast and mashed potatoes and a vegetable casserole, and invited my wife and I over for supper, and it was fabulous. Now, that is also my cousin, who did not invite me over for said, and he only lives a block away. In another room. <laughs> and... And I he don't doesn't think, want to disturb the neighbors in an apartment building. I don't think I asked what you did this week yet, but thanks for sharing. That's what I did tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, we, we have a special guest, Bernie. He He's here. We're going to get to there in a minute. But Bernie, is your mic hot? Yes, it is. He's there. He's rocking and rolling. All right. Appreciate, good deal. Appreciate you coming on and joining us in our uh, conversation tonight, Bernie. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. I look forward to it. Oh, I'm looking yep. forward to it. I think it's going to be a good one. So before we get there, though, Bill, what'd you do this week? Well, I tell you what, I'll go on a brief little conversation here because it was very, uh, it was very late week. Didn't get a whole lot done. But I tell you, I woke up yesterday morning first thing and I took the dog for a walk. And I walk out my front lawn and I noticed it, 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 it tracks and big tracks and lots of tracks <laughs> on my front lawn. Now, Bernie, I live out in the, the, the country. Uh, you know, I got a, a quarter acre property here on uh, uh, just outside of Barry. But I don't get a whole lot of animals on my front lawn, so it kind of kind of surprised me as to what it what it was. And I walked down the, the driveway, and sure enough, at the end of the driveway was a big old cow turd sitting right at the end of the driveway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I make a left hand turn out the driveway, and I walk a little bit, and I got fresh corn not cut uh, beside me as well. So I got a cornfield beside me, and sure enough, down the ditch there's the tracks into the corn. Now, a couple couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, I, I installed a security system, and now is the perfect time to put that security system to the test. And I packed that up to one o'clock in the morning, and I had three cows that escaped from the neighbor's farm across the road, run across the street, run right up my lawn, was eating the flowers out of the flower pots and in, in, <laughs> in, in there, my cedar rail fence. I had a cow who was leaning right on that. My snowmobile trailer in my driveway it was from sniffing and smelling in that. So <laughs> possession yeah. is nine tenths of the yeah, law. Well, Bill. That's what I said. I mean, they're on my property. They got to be mine, right? So, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that that, that was pretty. Where's uh, the beef? Exactly. That that's, that's was a, a pretty interesting thing that happened to me this week, and it was very unexpected. And I tell you, if if I didn't have the cameras outside of the big old uh, cow patty in the, the middle of the road, I wouldn't have known what was going on that night at my house. But so that's yeah. Well, I tell you right, it, it is, and uh, second the second time that these cows have got out uh, in a year, and two times they've come across my way. And, uh, did, just sit in the roof did, with a bull. Did you ride any? Did, a, did a you snack. take them for eight? 
I know. I, I would have, but uh, it was one o'clock in the morning, and I felt sleep was my better option at that point. So. <laughs> Candace, hold the head. I'm getting on. <laughs> yeah, never a dull moment on the, uh, the the Tom Ranch here. That's for sure. So I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it was, exciting. Uh, it was one of the interesting weeks. Getting ready for the deer hunt too. I haven't done much to get out deer hunting, but starting to get stuff ready. But we can talk about that a little bit as to maybe some some things that we got ready. But until we get there, I'll, I'll get your take on what you did this week. What did you I? You guys had a pretty interesting week, right? Well, we did, but we, I want to save a little bit of it for another podcast. Cause, yeah. Cause yeah, I, I, I think we so. do. We, we did, we got out, we got out hunting and I, I got to tell you, I don't want to sound cocky or arrogant or anything. That's twice. Is that twice? <laughs> I'm making up for, for lost time on the last couple of podcasts, yeah. but yeah, I can't tell you. We got to save it for the next one. I tell you, so I've never, I've never ever done this. And I am so thankful that I had three witnesses when I did this oh, in the field. We're not going to tell it that. No, nope, no, nope, we're not. I will save it for next week. Maybe we'll forget it. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. I tell you what, my brother-in-law had already texted my wife when we got home. And I said, you won't believe what I did. And she's like, Connor already told me. And he already told me that we're never going to hear the end of it. <laughs> yeah. okay, enough, enough. Well, at least you're prepared. At least you're prepared. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I was pretty. I'll tell you what, never happened before in my life. I'm not sure it could ever happen again. I'm not sure it's ever happened to anybody else. But you got to wait for next podcast to hear about it. Yeah, I, I'm on the edge of my seat and I can't wait to hear the story. <laughs> I tell you, you, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can't see the smile right now because video killed the radio star and we're audio only. But it's there. And I'm pretty sure you can't kick that off with a golf shoe. Well, let's. Uh, well, we'll wait till uh, the next podcast, and we'll see. We'll see what you got yeah. up your sleeve there. So, but. aside from that, we haven't done a whole lot of the outdoor stuff because we just finished building Dad's big old blind and yeah. getting that. Now, Dad, you went and got some supplements or something for the deer. What did you go buy? Um, I don't know. It's uh, Black Magic. Black Magic. Oh. He's gonna. I said, told him to get some Kamir deer because that, that's worked for me in the past. But because we've been traipsing in and out of there and building this freaking stand, I'm like, the deer was still there because when we were going in the, the, the last time in the wheelbarrow tracks was deer tracks. So I'm like, they're still here. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be like giant bucks are here, but there's definitely deer still hanging here. There's a couple bucks. Eh? It, well, but we could have put them out is what I'm saying. So I said to make them comfy, to make sure they hang around, to bring them back. Let's let's do everything we can. And I'm not certain that it's going to still work because we're in there cutting and drilling and and screwing yeah. things together and like insanity for a couple days straight. But it'll be left alone for two weeks. And so I said, you want to go get something. Let's get it out there. Let's just whatever to draw them in. You draw a hot dough in, the bucks yeah. will come. You're getting a bucket full, but I use that black magic stuff. What do you use? Is it uh, the powder or the uh, the liquid? Powder. Powder, yeah. yeah. I've tried both. Uh, the liquid I had great success with last year. I'll tell you, the great one success. time I used Khmer deer was the best year ever. I think I shot four deer out of my stand on opening morning of our rifle hunt. And the fifth deer came in. I've told this story before, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it pretty quick. But the fifth deer came in and I was on the radio going, I've already used four tags. There's six of us hunting. So I'm on the radio going, can I use another tag? Or maybe there's only five of us hunting. It would have been the last tag. 
and nobody's answering. I got a nine point buck standing at 60 yards, rubbing a tree. Can I use another tag? And nobody, and hey, folks, we're not sponsored by Kamir Deer. I'm just saying I used it. I could get to the stand without going through the woods or anything. I could park on the road, walk right across this bean field, right to my stand. Beans were already off, put the Kamir Deer down and get out of Dodge. And so what was the, what was the ticket that morning? first light it was before shooting hours i had a doe come right up out of the ravine under my stand walk right over and start digging where i had put the Kamir deer i put it out there for four days in a row leading up to the hunt and right where the Kamir deer was and i i cocked the hammer lined up on her just as as it got legal shooting time i was about to pull the trigger because in our in our controlled hunt like it's dad it's meat hunting if it's brown it's down i was about to pull the trigger when i heard bark bark and I've never heard bucks this vocal bark, bark. And a buck came right up out of the ravine, right under my tree stand, right on her tail. So I quickly, instead of putting it on her shoulder, I put it on his at 10 yards, pulled the trigger down. He went, it was not, I just get reloaded. Obviously the doe took off. So you're doing a lot of talking for not done. Much he asked this me week. what I did this week. I reminisced. And so, <laughs> so then, then all of a sudden I hear bark. Bark, as I'm reloading, I can't get the powder and the bullet rammed down my barrel fast enough. Bark, bark, bark. And I'm like, that's another buck. Sure enough, here comes another buck. Right, same plane. Bam, hammered him. Reload, another buck. All right, shot it. Now I'm having troubles getting my gun reload. Like this is the third, fourth shot without cleaning it. So I am now got the ramrod in and I'm pounding it against a tree to seat the bullet down. I'm a little guy. So I'm hammered against the tree I'm in. As I'm doing that, I look over and there's a doe standing on the hill at like 60 yards behind me at the edge of the ravine. So I finally get the bullet seated, put it on her shoulder, pull the trigger, down she goes. And then I'll be darned if 20 minutes later a nine point doesn't walk out. The biggest buck of all morning. And nobody would answer me. Dad come over the radio as he was walking away and says, shoot it. I, I heard him, but he wasn't hearing me on the radio. I was saying, yeah, take it. He wasn't, I'm using air quotes. He wasn't coming over the radio, but nobody else was responding. So I let it walk. So anyway, that was my story. Hey Bernie, what do you use for, uh, for deer tractions? Um, well, I've used a, a bunch of stuff in the past. I've used the blocks. I've used uh, different, uh, like the sugar shack supplement, stuff like that. Um, but, uh, an old guy once told me when I was actually, I had a big buck down and, he looked at it in the back of my truck at a gas station and we got talking and he said, uh, he said the best thing he ever used growing up was table salt for the deer. And he told me to go to a local feed store. So for us, it's TSC and buy a 50 pound bag of, um, just ground table salt. And I would dig a trench about, um, four inches deep, eight feet long. And I would just spread it through that trench and let the rain, uh, rain do its thing and typically didn't, if didn't pre-mix it with water before you laid it down you just you just laid it as as the bag yeah i just laid it right in the ground and well i hunt a lot like i hunt a lot of wet like wet bottom areas so oh, like even when i'm digging my trench water's coming out through the ground you know what i mean yeah um just typically where i am the big bucks they live in that in the swamp and you where put I'm hunting so that, like it's salt yeah, like regular ground table salt, like edible salt for humans. That's that's mm. all you'd put down, and that brings them in, eh? That's all I put down, and 
I it, typically I try to get I try to get it done in March, but it never happens. So it's usually April, uh, beginning of May. I go in and I will always I always try to like get a new spot going. Um, and if I put a bag down in April, uh, and then another bag in August, by mid October that trench will go from four inches deep to about a foot. And oh, yeah, they they eat it right up. Yeah. No yeah, kidding. You know, but I, it's funny you say that because I, I think I told the story. Maybe I didn't because I wanted to keep it top secret. But my dad uh, uh, has the water softener system in his, in his his house, and for a while there, he was getting crystallized chunks in the bottom, you know, just for that last inch. And and he would take that uh, out of the bottom of the water softener and put it on a stump, and he, within days they're on it, and within a week that stump is gone, and then within like in a month. Now you got a little hole where where that water has uh, it dissolved that, and it's just as it was phenomenal. But table salt is a new twist on it, and I might might, might try that. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, no, like everyone likes something different, but uh, I found it has worked really well for me. Yeah. And yeah, and it's relatively cheap. So you taking right. the black magic back, Dad? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, but I tell you that for for salts and minerals. I don't have great luck with the powdered uh, minerals attractant like uh, a deer cane or, or at this time of the year. I typically would, would, would start that in like August. And this time of year would be more like uh, uh, Wild Game Innovations, uh, which I'm not sponsored by, but I'll put that <laughs> out there. <laughs> Apple Crush Mix, which would be more of a get them here right now as opposed to keep them there you know, coming back and in, in the antler growth and that kind of stuff. I, or like I'd use a, a trailer full of apples, even. Yeah, there, there's some of us in, in, in the alliance. <laughs> the alliance. Not any names <laughs> that uh, like a, a different tactic, and it seems to be working for them year over year. If but, you see a trailer <laughs> full of apples sitting at a Circle K grabbing a breakfast burrito and a giant two-liter bottle of pop, you not a monster energy drink, you don't ask questions. Yeah. That would be my brother. Don't don't, uh, don't ask questions. I uh, I find uh, apples actually attract the coyotes a lot. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that numerous times. The guys with like I haven't actually done it personally, but I've seen trail camera photos of friends and the coyotes at night. They just love them apples. Yeah. No, no. Uh, it's good to know year, too. Uh, we, we put a bunch of apples out. My dad and uh, the guys of the camp, and it's just raccoons. This year they're <laughs> raccoons and, and it's not, but you know, I have a different philosophy when I put the apples out though. My brother, he'll put like a massive, like Todd said, a it's trailer, a trailer load load. full of apples. It's a literally yeah. a trailer load. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think there's two, two reasons why that work. It keeps them around, you know, and he'll do that in the Thanksgiving time frame. but he'll keep those around, uh, uh, you know, and then when the apples are gone, the juices from those apples, I think, have leached enough into the ground that that now becomes the, the same thing as a mineral lick would be where they're they're licking and, and digging that pond around the, the ground there. But, oh, I can see that, yeah. yeah. During the deer hunt week itself, though, I will not put up more apples than a deer can eat in like a one sit, if that makes any sense. Because if I put enough apples, I develop a pattern in my mind where that deer is now uh, eating apples when I'm not there. There's enough there that he can come back at night, have his feed, and then, you know, then the <laughs> apples are all gone through the night. And now I've trained him to 
come back when I'm not there. So look at yeah. you. See, mm-hmm. and I've never really, that's the only time I've ever used anything like that was that one time. And believe it yeah. or not, I've never done it since. And yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know why. I think the only reason I did it that year was because that field is normally it's corn or it's something I can't easily walk. And it was already picked that year. And so I yeah. could just get right across it, right to my stand in that little pinch point. And I mean, it was a long walk across the field, but it was a walk across the field. It was a piece of cake and I didn't disturb nothing. I didn't have to come around by dad's stand. I didn't have to come around by my brother-in-law's stand. I could go straight to it. And so it wasn't typical. And I just thought, Hey, I'm going to do this. And I've never done it since yeah so bernie are you hunting out of uh you you said it's wet so you got to be off the ground obviously when when you're hunting yeah like i i do have like i got food plots too and stuff like that but i have a couple of spots and you know i call them the closets because it's a spot where most people will not hunt and it's typically overgrown bush that very hard to get a tree stand in you know there's the trees that are there you know, to hang a stand in your, your silhouette will be like, they're only eight inch thick trees. Right. So it's kind of hard to get a stand in there. Um, and that's usually in like the river bottoms, you know, how you get like those, those thorn trees and stuff like that. Um, that's typically where I like to hunt. Um, especially early season before the bucks are running. I find, uh, I find I can, I can locate them better in there it's a long stick because you don't get to see much because it's thicker than you'd want it to be but um i have shot plenty of big bucks doing that you're going, yeah because you're going right where they live you're not afraid of bumping them at all before the rut kicks so, in uh, yeah like so this spot i'm in it's taken me a lot of years to figure out how to get in there without ruining the place um and i've seen a lot of tails running away from me over the years but yeah, in the last couple of years, I've kind of figured it out where they sleep and what wind to go in on. And if everything stacks up, yeah, I will quit work at 2 o'clock and get in there because there's not many days that you can do it. But if the, if the weather will allow it, then I'll sneak in there and That's do it. That's awesome. See, so I'm kind of pumped because we're going to try to make this one like our uh, – we, we had a, a reach out about equipment for a new – bow hunter and what they should look into and and we wanted to combine it with an experienced deer hunter so that we catch both sides of this and that's why you're perfect for this because we've never even done this and i've seen it and i've always wanted to try it because it looks so freaking cool now i've talked to you a little bit about it when you came here to pick up your blind and and the money that's invested maybe i won't try it but you use to you get up on these little trees you're using like what do you want to call it? I, I, I always call them like a tree sling, but what, what's that? The actual name? Well, they're actually called like they're, uh, the company's called trophy line, covert tree saddles, tree saddles. Um, and they, they call it a saddle, but it's not like a horse saddle. It's, it's it, like it cradles you in the tree. Um, and I, so I bought one last, last fall, um, off a friend and it was crap. Like, I didn't like it at all. It took me what, 45 minutes to get up the tree. And I was like, this is such, like, once you're in there, it's actually not bad. It's very comfortable. You can shoot a compound out of it, no problem. But it was the time, and I was, I found I was breaking a sweat getting up into the tree because you had to attach all these, like, all these foot pegs as you go up. And they're all tied by a special knot. And I just looked at the system. I'm like, how can I improve this? 
Um, so I have a friend that uh, is an arborist, retired. So I bought his tree spurs off of him in his climbing belt. And now I, if I'm going to do it, I put the tree spurs on and the climbing belt and I'll shimmy up that tree. I can shimmy up 20 feet in about 15 seconds. Come on. Yeah. No, no steps. No steps, <laughs> no nothing. He, yeah. he had then, me at spurs, Bill. I, I still got my PBR ones. I'm going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not actually as scary as you think. It's because once you get the the linesman belt around the tree, you feel pretty secure. Yeah, it's not the fall; it's the sudden stop at the end that worries me. <laughs> yep, hundred percent. Where you might be going, Bill, there is no stop. I don't think you, you just keep on trucking. <laughs> just keep on going. <laughs> just keep on okay, going. So, <laughs> so you have arborist gear, which makes this thing a lot more livable. So, in a typical tree saddle, you've got to you've got to have these foot pegs that just kind of pressure fit against it, based on the knot. Like they're all connected by by like material that you're tying strap that you're tying. And then you got to position them, put your feet on them, go up another rung, tie them right position them, go up another rung tie them. So I can see that's a pain in the butt. It's almost, it's way worse than just even a climber tree stand. And I'm sweating by the time I get up in a climber. So, so with this, you went and got the arborist gear. So you've got boots with spikes with spikes. I'm going to call them spikes. We, when we say spurs, they're, they're really for hanging on, not climbing things. So you with like spikes on them so that your, your boots are digging in the tree. And then you have a, a harness on that just straps around the tree and then you just go up it. Yeah. It's just a belt harness. Um, and then there's a, like the actual tree saddle itself has its own harness. So you put the, you put the linesman belt over top of it. Um, so once you're up there, like once you're into your desired height or whatever, wherever you feel comfortable, I always try to get up a tree where I can get my, my uh, safety tether line onto another branch, right? Like a Y in the tree. Mm. That way, uh, heaven forbid anything did, you know, malfunction. I'm not sliding down the tree, right? So but I, I can do it both ways, but I like to have a, an actual branch that'll stop me if, if something went wrong, right? I don't understand how your legs aren't falling asleep after 15 minutes in this thing. Okay. So once you're up the tree, right. And you're, so you, you go up, say you go up 15, 20 feet and you're in the tree, you dig your spurs in for the final time into the tree. And then you attach your tree swing to the actual saddle that like the, the trophy line saddle, you attach it to there, which is like a tree harness. Like it's a harness on your body, right? Yeah, it's a harness on your body. Except it's designed to lazy boy you. So the back straps are, um, they're very big. And the ones that come under your butt, they, like, a typical harness will cinch you and pretty much castrate you if you hung in one. But these ones are kind of designed to, um, uh, like, they, they go around your thigh and around, uh, around your groin. And once you're in the tree, once you're tied off, you basically take the spur you take your spurs right out of the tree and you dangle in the tree see i'll i'll do and, it if sax starts making one of these i'm in yeah there you go <laughs> but you could actually hunt like without like with without a joke you could hunt eight hours in these tree in these tree saddles comfy and a very, very comfy it's like a very giant comfy. so it's like a giant tree swing but it's like a kid swing at the park because it's it's like cradle and everything and you're just kind of exactly Right on. Yep. And you're free, free, free problems, right? 
you can spin around the tree 360. So if a buck's coming in behind you, you can literally spin around the tree. That's awesome. To get a, to, to, to be looking at them. What right? are the problems, Bill? What's your three problems? If I got a pee, how am I going to pee? Oh, good well, day. Good I, question. Well, Eight hours is a lot. Problem time one, problem number one. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Problem <laughs> one. Well, how are you peeing? <laughs> yeah, you're going to need a catheter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You can use your teacup. Next. <laughs> yeah. No, don't drink a lot of fluids before you go. <laughs> yeah. How do you get uh, uh, your, your tied in from a safety perspective? You know, because I, you know, if, I, if I'm up in my climbing tree stand, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put my my safety harness around the tree. So if heaven forbid, you know, that seat falls out or the base falls out, or now I'm hooked in. So with the saddle system itself, is it essentially, you know, um, if you lose your feet or lose your seat or whatever, and and you slip, that that safety harness is is an integral part of that. Yeah. So you're not going to flip backwards like you know you. You're, It'd be it'd be very hard to flip backwards because the 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 the, the, the safety line itself comes from basically right where your belly button is, yeah, and it goes straight up to the tree past your face. I understand. But it does, okay. So and like it's kind of hard to explain unless I showed you. But if you're sitting in the tree, a lot of guys what they'll do is they'll rest their knees or whatever against the tree, and that'll keep the tether about a foot and a half away from your face. So you're not talking to a strap all night. Yeah. And so what would happen if say you, you slept or whatever, you would go sideways and just rub up against the tree. I got it. Um, so there's actually, uh, you could flip out backwards in it, but you'd have to try to do that. You know what yeah, I mean? No. Uh, I can mess up a hunt enough on my own as the almost guy. I don't need to try to mess up a hunt. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's actually a very safe, like very safe way of hunting. It's I'm just intrigued. yeah, you can't be afraid of heights, and you can't because yeah, there's nothing below you, right? No. So you got it's a bit of a confidence thing. Like when I first tried it, my friend Dave had it. Um, he bought the first one, and we went out in his backyard and tried it. And I'd be honest with you, I laughed at him up and down. I'm like, you're an you're an idiot. Like this is stupid. <laughs> and you know what? Once you get used to it. It's actually, it's a game changer, really. Yeah. So. Well, I guess if the third problem I was, uh, was just contemplating in my head is your gear. I guess you'd have to be, bring yourself some hooks and screws and stuff to put in the tree to put your pack on, your, your bull hanger, if you're going to do something like that. And you'd have to think about it a little bit differently than you would if you were hunting out of a... Yeah, it's not like hunting out of, it's not like hunting out of a tree stand. So um, what I would typically do is my two front pockets, like uh, where your cell phone would typically go, one side's got my phone, the other side's got two small uh, tree pegs, one for my backpack, one for my bowl. Um, and I, like a lot of guys will hunt compound out of them. I do not. I hunt with a raven crossbow um, in it. So what you do is when you're up in the tree, before you go up, you connect your, uh, your pull-up line to your bag and your bow. And then once you're in the tree and you figure out exactly where you want to sit, you pull up your bag and your bow at the same time. Once you have your little screws screwed in the tree, and then they'll sit right in front of you. So, so if a deer comes by, you're not reaching sideways, you're not reaching behind you. The bow will be literally right in front of you on the tree. You just pick it up. This sounds kind of interesting, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're gonna, you, you're gonna try you it, can Bill? go on YouTube. You can go on YouTube and they'll, like I, they'll give you tutorials on it. 
it is actually pretty cool. Like they do it with a compound bow, their tutorials, and like, yeah, they'll they'll sling right around the tree, three sixty, and full draw their bow, and nothing gets in their way. Like, like you'll be right out sideways from the tree. Your feet will be fully extended off the edge of the tree, and you'll almost be horizontal pulling bow your bow back and splinging an arrow. Like it's quite the system. I've seen well, them. I've, I've, I've seen them for years, and I thought I want to try that. I really do. But I think yeah. you're right. I think the arbor is boots. That's the way to go. That would make life it easy. It is because if you don't do that, I mean, everything that they sell you in this in this kit is very silent. It's a very silent method, but it's a very time consuming method. Yeah. And for me, if I want to get up a tree and not sit in the comfort of like a, like a, a, a self climber or a summit or something like that. I want to get up there in a, you know, in a half relatively half decent time, you know, and I work in construction, so I don't have all the time in the world. So when I do get a chance to hunt, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to take 45 minutes to get in my stand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. You want to get up there and uh, you know, I think that's, it, it's intriguing to me because I hunt a lot of, County bush, right? And if, for me, I can't. I can't put a stand up. Uh, I'm walking a great distance to get away from where people typically would, you know, walk their dogs and take their ATVs and bikes and stuff like that. So I, I'm back in the bush. So packing a, uh, a hang on stand with a three step ladder, you know, tie on thing, it just gets heavy, right? When you're walking yep. in the snow and stuff, and I don't bring an ATV back there or a, a golf cart or nothing like that. So, um, yeah, lightweight is, is the name of the game. And if something like this is safe, well, why not? Might, might be something to yeah. try for next I year. I think it's just kind of cool. It is, it is 100% safe. I will yeah. say that. You're not coming out of it. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into it, Bill. It might be next year's right. project. I think so. This it is going to be cool. a summertime figured out, and then we'll practice a little bit. Yeah, on the other That's monitor the here. We're watching the videos. Key is to practice at home. That's definitely the key. Yeah. Dad and I are watching videos hide. here while you guys talk on the on the other monitor in the studio here. I've got a hydro pole up front. I'm sure they'd be okay with me scaling <laughs> that one, wouldn't they? Yeah, I'd be okay with it. Just make sure yeah. Candace records it. <laughs> yeah. just, for, I mean, for insurance purposes. That's <laughs> all. Yeah, so, this is what my husband did to collect on insurance. I got it. <laughs> oh, that's just awesome. Don't touch the wires. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> don't tell him that. You take all the fun out of it. Okay. So, so the other kicker with, with Bertie, the, the other thing that got me was because, so we've, we've deer hunted forever. Like dad, you've deer hunted for, I don't even know, 50 plus years, right? 57 years, 50 whatever it is yeah. but we've never we got talking when you were picking up your blind we've never done i've done a little mini food plot in the middle of a woods where it was a clearing and i said to the farmer you care if i do oh go ahead blah 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 great so we went in and we put our little um, biologics food plot in and 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 scotty my buddy real right next scotty he he shot a buck over it and so it worked, but it was such a pain in the butt and a lot of work to do in the middle of the woods. And I mean, it's not like we had the four wheeler and we could disc it and then plan it. And like, we're in there with rakes, but you said that you leased 60 acres so that you could put in a, a food plot. And then you went and got extra because this blind that you bought, the, the, the Booner blind, you needed some place to put it, so then you went and bought like six rows of corn off. So, how do you find that that is successful? Have you done it a long time, or is this the first year you've done it? Well, we just hunted it tonight. Actually, this is the first time we hunted it 
this year. Um, so what happened was uh, a buddy of mine bought 170 acres farms. Uh, 70 of it was bush, 60 of it was field, and then the other bit was shop and, you know, lawn. Um, and he has a funny shaped field. And I said to him, I said, I really want to hunt your property. And he said, you know what? You can hunt it. I got sole permission. So I said, great. And I went back there and scouted it. And I was looking at his field and I'm like, Hey, this is a weird site. Like the shape of the end of this field is probably a bigger pain in the butt to harvest and to plant for them than it would be just to square off the field. So I went back there and I said, Jeremy, can I rent the back uh, two acres off of you? And then you just square off your crop. He said, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. He said, I'm, I'm subleasing it out anyway. So I talked to the farmer that was going to uh, sublease it. He was okay with it. So he planted corn and then left the back two acres, which was, it did like a horseshoe at the back end of the field. It was just a two acre horseshoe. And it, when you got like these great big tractors nowadays with the 20 row planters, it's pretty hard for them to get in there and spin around and come back out. So they squared off the field and I took over that horseshoe two acre plot there. Um, and I grew up a lot, like I grew up milking cows. I know a lot of farmers in the area. So I went and talked to a farmer. I said, what do I got to do? Cause this was an old potato farm. He said, well, if it's an old potato farm, he said, the soil will be absolutely just garbage. So I took a, he told me to take a soil sample test and bring it to the local co-op. So I did that. And then they told me what fertilizers to use on the ground before I planted it. So I threw that on there. And while the farmer was cultivating his field, I told him, well, you might as well cultivate mine too. So he cultivated it for me. And then I went to the, uh, a friend of mine, Sammy, he is our local seed dealer. And I told him what I had, what I needed, what my soil was. And he put together a special blend of, you know, clovers, ryegrass, uh, both red and white, um, and some chickpea stuff like that. And I borrowed my other farmer's friend's gator with a, uh, a cedar on it. And we just broadcast seeded it. Holy crap. That's and, the way to do it right there. Yeah. It seems to be. Yeah. And it was literally a lot of it was like who, you know, and who's got the gear to do it because like a poor man's plot does work, but it's really hard to do it. But luckily I know a lot of people in the farming industry so they kind of, you know, helped me do it. it. Seemed to, yeah, they helped you out a lot. Yeah. yeah which is and good. then so once, once the clover started taking root, I had a like a really serious problem with weeds. Um, and I thought we were going to lose it. Like the first time we went back there, it was chest high. Like the whole field was chest high with weeds. And if you dug down to the bottom, you could see clover, but the weeds had just taken over. And I thought, well, there goes a whole bunch of time and money wasted and the farmer's like well you should have cut it like a month earlier but he's like go in there and cut it and leave it so i went in there and i borrowed my uh the guy that lives there jeremy the owner of the property he runs a snowplow company in the winter so he has a couple of compact tractors there with like the rotary mowers on them so i borrowed that went back there i trimmed it all down to six inches and then i left it but i put up my cell camera just to you know, monitor it. And as soon as it got back up to knee high, I would go back there again. And every time I would just give him 50 bucks or whatever to rent this tractor, I'd go back there and cut it. 
And by the beginning of August, it was it was starting to look more like a hayfield. And by the end of September, it's like there isn't a weed in sight, and it's just clovers, ryegrass. And now, uh, end of August, we planted um, sugar beets and turnips, and they're all coming in, and the deer are just in there like crazy. I was going to say, so yeah. are you getting a bunch of deer? Yeah, so... We were we're actually really excited, but we're now we're actually we're on the we're on the downhill now because, like when we were ready to move uh, leave for moose hunting on middle of September, we had twelve bucks that were between one twenty five and one fifty um, <laughs> coming through there constantly. That like, might make it worth daily. it. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we were all jacked up. I was we like, yep, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm, I'm tuning out. I'm not even listening anymore. You keep talking because this is out. <laughs> then you mentioned 12 bucks in the 125 to 150 range. All of a sudden, I'm thinking of who I know with a tractor. Carry on. Yeah. No, it was in, like like I said, we were all jacked up. And we went moose out and we came home. And the first thing when we got back into service, we just couldn't wait to get, like, let the spy point pictures start coming through our phones again. And... It's literally died right off. We got two shooter bucks that are making uh, an appearance every four to five days. But the ones that we had like consistently, they're gone. Like we, we I don't know if obviously it's time of year, right? Some bucks get pushed out, but okay. Yeah, we are. It's so it's, you still got two though. Yeah, we got two and we hunted it tonight and a, a one we've never seen before showed up. He was a, uh, an eight point, uh, we guess around one thirty. Um, I was hunting, uh, one concession over and my friend who helped me do this whole thing together and he was hunting the, the booner blind and he was just snapping me pictures all night. I think he had nine bucks in there and they were all, they are all like just youngins, eh? And the one, the one, one thirty came through just before dark, but, uh, so stay yeah, true to form to stay true to form on the redneck country side of things. We don't, we, we're not about the, the, the inches. We have to stick with the patriarchs theory here. So it was eight points. So how many points was one of the biggest bucks you had in there? 10. Did you have a 10? Did you have a 12? Uh, we had, we had a 13 pointer. So we had a, like a 12 pointer with a, uh, with a sticker on it. <sighs> right. Yeah. And right? He, we call we nicknamed him Sawtooth because um, every single time is the exact same size. And from the cameras, we we each time's probably nine to ten inches. So he's just an absolute beast of a man. Bug. And he's not but, hanging around anymore, though, eh? No, he's the one that hangs around. But I think he's a little smarter than we're getting. <laughs> yeah. So wait. That sucker's yeah. gonna slip up when when the the weather starts to change. We just got for as a last from Sunday till today, it started to get down into single digits overnight, yep. and that to me is ultimate switch for deer hunting changes. And yep. if I don't know what you guys have got for temperature down there, but um, it's, it's time it's time for to be in the woods and to start seeing things uh, just moving around, get silly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, we were we weren't even planning on hunting tonight. We were both like we both worked in construction, and this morning both of our cameras were going off. And I said to him, "You know what this means, right?" He said, "Yeah, I'll see you at four o'clock." Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we cut out of work early and we went hunting because it was just one of them days. Everything was moving. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. Why it takes so long for roads to get done. 
this hunger yeah. season comes around. And yeah. trail camera Why pictures aren't you working on this construction? It's been down for three months. Well, deer season ends pretty soon. It'll come back. You know, you worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's but good. Now, we've done, we've done a bunch of plots and it's been, um, it's like all different areas and it's been a real trial and error. I will be honest. This is, the first plot we've had that's actually produced something. I was going to um, say, we've done a lot of. I watch the monster. I watch the monster buck videos. I watch all these. They get like 15, 20, 30 deer in there every night. And they're like, Oh, look at all the deer coming into the food plot. So I put down a food plot and like, yeah, I think Scotty shot that buck. He was walking by anyway. I don't, I'm not sure that he was even going to our food plot. And I'm like, yeah, that's a waste of time. But what you're telling me now is it takes the work. You got to put the work and have an actual a decent food plot for this to yeah. to, to play out. Yeah, yeah it's, you, you know what? I, and, and the way I listened to your process, not to cut you out for any story about that, but no uh, the way I listened to your processor was exactly what what I hear. And every bit of that is work. And that's cool. I mean, I, I, I absolutely love the process. But if you miss your soil sample testing uh, at your local co-op, you don't know what your pH level is in your soil. Therefore, you don't know what, what add you're some planting. Lime. And you got to add some chemicals or whatever to, to get it to the right pH or else you're planting and nothing's happening and you're just scratching your head wondering why. It's a that's lot of money. money that's time what, wasted, yeah. right? Yeah. We, and that's what, that our, like, from the day we started food plotting, that was that was the one thing we always skipped, and that was the reason why our food plots never turned out. Yeah, yeah. No, a lot it's, of- that's a very important process, especially because you never you don't know what the ground is, and even in the middle of a forest, you think, well, it's untouched ground, so it should be pretty good. But it's it's crazy, like what it takes to grow a proper crop. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a science, eh? Yeah, we had that uh, that problem. I, we talked to, talked about it. We tried to do food plots in the middle of a bush, but there's a reason why they don't grow, grow cornfields in the middle of the bush. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> there's a little, little bit more work that's involved than just uh, throwing some seed down and hoping that it rains at the right Local time. Local teenagers so, had no problems growing their crop in the middle of the woods. I don't know why our food plots wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, they, they put more work into it than you thought. That's that, right. So. They're more vested. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, that's good. I'm, I'm anxious to see some pictures online of that one 13 point sucker coming in there. With yeah, I can I can send the picture over. It's a, it's a true giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's me and my friend Gerald. Um, we're doing this together, and uh, we film a lot of our hunts. And so when I picked up this property, I needed a, like it's always more fun, and it's a lot easier workload if you have a friend to do it with. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, we, we take turns hunting that blind or filming each other. And every night we, we've gone three times, but the two times before that was basically just to go sit there and watch and, you know, get a feel for the new blind and what we can do different. And it's been funny because now he went out tonight and he could have shot that one thirty, but it was just a little too small for him. But he, uh, he said, uh, he said he's, it's hard to hunt it because, now he knows he has to wait till I hunt it till he gets another crack at it. So yeah. it's, it's, it's actually quite funny. It, every time you hunt it, it's like, oh, I hope he shows up because with my luck, he's going to show up when Gerald's here. So, <laughs> well, that's that's morals and values right there. He's not going to go in and hunt it underneath you. That's yeah. what we talked about on our last that's podcast. Last week's where, podcast. Yeah, where where we had that conversation about you know not 
you're not going behind somebody and it's not worth it for 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 uh, a deer to ruin a friendship or something over but no no you know, that, that's good both, that you can do together we're both self-taught hunters our parents none of our relatives hunt it, me and him have been into hunting we went to grade school together and all we did was talk about hunting and when we were kids we used to make big toy guns and we'd go sit in the bush and just watch wait for deer to pretend shoot at them like it's been our passion since we were kids and yeah there's not very many things uh that could separate us with that because no. that's awesome uh, that, that's key. You know, now you've you've grown together, and it's kind of kind of interesting that it, you don't come from a hunting family, but you picked it up as a passion, something that you wanted to do. That's that's pretty neat. That's pretty yeah. wicked. Yeah, I know. My family's fishermen, like they're all fishermen, like hardcore. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just I picked up. I don't know. I think for me, it was actually guns as a kid really intrigued me, and with guns comes hunting, right? So. um yeah, just playing with guns as a kid. My dad always had a twenty-two, and I used to beg him every Saturday to let's go target shooting. And you know, from that, it just stemmed into like my wife. My neighbors call my wife a weekend widow because from <laughs> September till Christmas, I'm in the woods. Yep. <laughs> you moved out of this year too. Yeah, I uh, we went up to Nikina, Ontario, which is close to Thunder Bay. Okay. And uh, I shot a 53-inch bull uh, second morning we were there. 53? Yeah. You were the guy that I saw coming down the highway with that rack on either side of his pickup it's truck. 53 driving inches. I think everybody's seen that coming down wow. the highway. <laughs> yeah. That, no, I did. I did have it. It was in the back of the truck, and his antlers touched both sides of the box. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I was, I was driving to work one morning, and it was a blue pickup truck going down the, down the highway, and this rack was hanging out of the pickup truck. And all I could think was, don't crash my car looking at this rack go past. So, congratulations on that one. Yeah, that, 53 that, inches that, is a big you, animal. That's nice. You, you, got yeah. a, you got a story for that one that you want to share? Well, actually, it's a crazy story. Um, so, we, fl- we did a fly-in moose trip, and we've never, none of us have ever done that before. Um, so we booked this trip to a guy that was local here. He owns an outpost out there and he hires an air service to fly us in. So we don't know where we're going, what we're doing. We just know that's going to be our camp for the week. So we get there and we, we, you know, unpack our stuff, get in the boats and we go, he says, there's a river. That's where you got to hunt. Um, you can only hunt uh, the left side of the river because the right side's a different WMU. So no problem. And we bowed down this river and we seen tracks galore, but they were all really old tracks. Like it's like, and it was warm out. So we were kind of discouraged. So we hunted the first day we were there. We hunted that evening and we called and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, like, how did, how did the call go? Nothing was going. Pardon me? How did the call go? Like how do how the moose call go? <laughs> yeah, whenever Bill mentions he's that he tells something, I always have to ask. I got to hear the call. He's like how, 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 how? I'm serious. How did how did how did the call go? <laughs> well, you you clink both your hands together as if you're yelling for somebody, and you let out a big old. And that Bill and that, is what I was looking for. 
See, yeah, well, you got that's it. how you do it. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you coming on, Bernie, to be able to take that stress and frustration off my shoulders. So. <laughs> the tough life you got, Bill. Yeah, carry, carry on with a better part of your story. Oh, as opposed yeah, to yeah, I tell you what, we might have a new ringtone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can market this. That's good. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, we get back to the cabin that night, and we're sitting around, and we hunt with a couple of um, uh, religious people. And they don't hunt on the, on Sundays. So uh, those guys just hung out at the cabin Sunday morning, and we kind of made breakfast and, you know, hung out. And I said, you know what, guys? I'm going down the river. And I, he's like, well, a couple of guys are like, yeah, it gets shallow down there. Hey, just be careful. I'm like, yeah. I said, who's coming with me? And the one my one religious friend said, yeah, I'll go with you. And he said, I'll bring the camera. So he brought the camera. We brought, like, we just loaded up the boat and down the river we went 15 kilometers and it was very shallow and it took us three hours to get down there 15 kilometers so we like and we went down some chutes and some rapids and stuff and then we got to like four or five inches of water we couldn't go no further what do you so just uh, a little tinny with a 20 horse motor on the back what do you it was a 14 footer with a 99 on it so okay. nothing crazy and so we just threw it up on shore and we walked and walked and walked and walked another 5k and the only reason why we did that is because the guys before us said if you can get down to the meadows you might find a moose there and so we're just walking trying to find this meadows they're talking about so after walking 5k we came around the last bend <laughs> I like that like you millions, might yeah a lifetime of bends you might river. find one if you get to the meadows you might <laughs> yeah, that's what it felt like. Like, are they pulling our leg? Like, are they, are they just sending us on a wild goose like, chase? This guy's driving us nuts in camp. Let's tell him there's moose down in the meadows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually do find the route with the meadows, and we get there. We're looking for tracks, and there's nothing, like absolutely nothing fresh. And we're standing there, and we're standing there. I'm like, all right, let's – I'm like, hold on. Wait a second. I look down the river, and it looks like there's a um, – like a creek or a side river coming into this main river. And the main river is probably about 300 yards wide, but very shallow. So I'm like, let's walk up to that creek there. He's like, well, that's another kilometer. I'm like, well, we've come this far. Let's go another kilometer. <laughs> so he's like, all right, whatever, let's do it. So we walked up to this creek that we thought, and turns out it wasn't a creek. It was just like an inlet off the river where nothing grows. And we're standing there. Kind of bummed out, actually really bummed out. We both got a sweat going. And I got a 50-pound pack on with my bow strap to it. And I'm like, all right, let's get out of here. He's like, well, well, you might as well make one call. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I make a call. And how'd that go And again? like, uh, don't even, don't entertain. <laughs> okay, I won't do that. <laughs> so I make a call, and about 10 seconds later, we hear a stick crack about 100 yards away. And I looked at my friend, and he looked back, and I'm like, did you hear that? He's like, yeah, I heard that. So I called again, just nice and short. And then we heard the, the bull grunt and it was close, like really close. So we dove into a cedar tree and I'm laying on my stomach in the ground, but my bow strapped to my back and I'm leaning over. I'm like, Hey, get my bow off my back. <laughs> so he's unstrapping my bow and I'm digging in my pack to get an arrow out. And by the time I got my arrow out and my bow in my hands, I put the arrow into the crossbow. I look up and he's standing broadside 35 yards away from me. 
Oh. <laughs> he came on that quick. He came, yeah. He must have been bedded down like a hundred yards away from us, and we woke him up, or what? Whatever he was doing, he wasn't far away. And yeah, I, I double lunged him, and he ran about a hundred yards, but he and right in the middle of the river, he just died right in the middle. And we watched him go down. It took about three or four minutes. It was actually a, a really cool thing to watch an animal that size go down it's 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 really cool they make no noise they don't even know they're actually dying they he was staring at us the whole time until his legs gave away and once he went down i'm like oh well let's go get him we didn't realize how tall moose are because when he was standing in the river it looked like he was standing in a foot of water he was standing in like five feet of water. I had to go swim to go get him. <laughs> so I went down to my ditch and the water up there is like, it's cold. It's really cold. I wasn't entering no contest when I got out. <laughs> I swam, grabbed him and I pulled him to shore and we were three hours from camp and it was like four thirty, and it gets dark at seven. So we gutted him as fast as we could and then pulled him back into the water to let him sit there overnight. And we, you know, let the cold water go in the cavity or keep him longer. And we went back to camp and it took us forever to get up this river because going down is a lot faster than going up. And we got back about 45 minutes after dark and the guys at camp were like, well, we are figuring on just come and look for you in the morning because we weren't making it down there. Anyways, I took the heart with me. I cut the heart out of it. And I brought it with me, but it was so dark, they couldn't see what I was holding. And when we got back to camp, I asked the one guy to hold on to the, uh, what I was carrying for a second. He was carrying it. He carried it all the way to the cabin before he realized it was the heart of a moose. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, just like that, the, the moose hunt was over and it was a fishing trip. So, well, and then the work begins. I, I bet you. So just as a, as a side note there, when, when you got back to it in the morning, no, no animals got to it. Say, I'd be worried nope. on wolves or coyotes or. We dragged, we dragged the, like the guts of it up on the shore um, to try to entice. If something, I left my jacket and my pack on the moose to leave human scent there. Right. Yeah. Um, just to discourage anything from touching it. And we dragged the, the, um, the, the guts of it up on the shore. So if anything was looking for something to eat, it would be a really easy meal to, to eat the liver and all that stuff. Right. So Left a snack for them right there. Yeah. We got back to it. Nothing had touched anything. Oh, good. Right. No, yeah. uh, no problems. How long did it take you? That's a, that's, that's a big boost. But how long yeah. did it take you to get all the, you know, the butchering and stuff done? Well, where you were able to bring it back to the camp? Yeah, we so we got we got up at six in the morning, made a breakfast because we figured it was going to be a long day. Um, went down there. Uh, we got down. It took us like yeah, three hours to get down there to the moose, and four guys went down. We cord like truly quartered it like a butcher's quarter, plus the head into a boat. We floated a boat down to them. And it took uh, four guys 16 hours to get him back to camp. 16 hours? Yeah. Oh. yeah it took a full day plus some. And that's why I don't go moose hunting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's actually half the fun. You drink a lot of beers going up that river once you got them in the boat. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it. My God. They had to walk. One guy had to drive the boat, right? But the 1,000-pound moose in the boat, he weighs that boat down a lot. So... 
most of the guys had to walk up the river while one guy drove it. And yeah, it, it took a long time. And like they would, they would walk way faster than how I could drive the boat. Mm-hmm. And I'd get around one bend and they'd all be sitting on a rock drinking the Coors original while I put up the river. Yeah, just, just waiting just to make sure I'd get up the river. Right <laughs> That's way But it was true. It, what's that? What did you get for me? How many? So we got roughly, I would say around 700 pounds of meat off of him. 700 pounds. That's why you go moose hunting, Todd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. And that's the best. You won't eat a better burger than a moose burger. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are truly a delicious meal. I haven't had a whole lot of moose in my time, but what I have had is, uh, is, uh, is fantastic. Yeah. So. The last time I had it yeah. was my, my mother-in-law's birthday and we were down at having a campfire last year at uh, at their property outside and my father-in-law had marinated quarter like cut it up into little cubes and then just put it in a big tupperware dish and marinade and then he brought it down to the fire and we put it on the hot dog and sticks and just cooked it over the fire like that little chunks mm-hmm. and oh it was mm-hmm. awesome yep yeah we kept we tried to keep everything off this moose we've gone five years in a row now and we've got five moose opening morning like we've gotten the best luck when it comes to moose hunting um, and most places we just, um, you know, we just take it out in six quarters instead of the true fours. But this year we kind of wanted like a true T-bone steak, um, and a whole bunch of other things like that. You don't normally get if you, if you quarter them like the wild game way. So it took a lot more effort to get them back that way, but I don't know. I just, I would really love to have a true bone in steak from a moose, you know? Right on. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the back straps are like 50 pounds. Like, that's how big they are. Makes it all worthwhile right there. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Straight on. Yeah. No, congratulations well, on that. That's a big yeah, moose. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations. Yeah, that was my, so, first, that was my first moose, actually. So it was quite special. Well, that's my an awesome story for your first moose. That's an awesome, yeah. awesome story. Absolutely. Yeah. I love yeah. it. See, that's the kind, that's what podcasts all about. Thanks for sharing that. So yeah. we have one of our avid listeners that is it, it forever. She made us the signs and everything. And she had messaged us and said, okay, her husband, her and her son, they're looking at, you know, she wants to deer hunt. She wants to, to get out shooting hardcore. And, and I know yep. her son's going to be right there and her husband's going to be right there because they've been doing it with fishing and they got kayaks and the whole nine yards. And so she's saying, and I think I know what Bill and Dad's answer is going to be when I when I say this. But she said, "Hey, can you guys cover? If I want to, I don't have a gun license yet. But if I want to get out in the stand and go deer hunting, what what do you suggest? Or if I at least want to start to look at, if I want to get a bow, what would you suggest?" And so I'm going to say for a female, yeah, yeah. So for her, and then I imagine her husband's going to want to too, Andrew and, and her son, Braden. But I'm going to say to dad first, cause I, I I'm going to float this. I think I know what he's going to say. So I say, okay, dad, somebody like that wants to get a bow, doesn't have a gun license. What are you going to say? Well, I'm going to say a crossbow, but that's mostly no. because of my age. Well, she's also a woman. So that that's that I could go with that. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say Hang that. on. I agree. You're going to get like, smashed. I'm telling you between <laughs> Yeah, I'm done. Okay, uh, I'll let you go with that one because you live closer to said individuals. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you say a crossbow. Now I would say 
because she's she's not going to hunt right away, right? And so for me, okay, a crossbow, that's going to get you in the woods. That's going to get you hunting. Yeah. So really, I think it comes down to what are you looking to do it? So if you want to get out and you want to yeah. get hunting right away, absolutely a crossbow. It's not going to take a whole lot to get dialed in. You're going to do it in the archery shop when you buy it. You can then take it back out and you can blast a couple arrows and you, okay, yep, it's still on and you're good. Am I right, dad? Like how yeah. often do you shoot your crossbow? And it's, and it's a lot easier to handle than holding that bow back and, and all the technical things and putting the pin where you're supposed right. to. And I get it, it, you got a scope on it. So, right. So that's going to get you in the woods. On the flip side, if you want a hobby, if you want a bigger lifestyle, so that'll put you in the woods and make you a hunter. The the question was not about wanting a hobby. The question was, what do you do? To get into the woods as a hunter, I, I don't know if I worded it that way, but 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 <laughs> but okay. so yes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a two parter and say absolutely a crossbow will put you there, and Wendy, you're a woman, absolutely, Andrew, I'm gonna work with you here so that I don't make fun of you, but there's a myriad of bows, so that I was thinking, okay, if you've got lots of time because I don't know if they have their hunting license yet, so they're probably not gonna get hunting this year, so. They've got all the time in the world to build this lifestyle, and and it's it's now become a family thing where they can go out what and shoot bows. They can go out and shoot bows what if they actually doing? bought a compound bow. And so, therefore, what would you recommend as a new compound bow? Well, that's that's something that you like to get into compound hunting, and I've done it a lot. It's it's not. Compound compound shooting and compound hunting is all fall into the same thing. It's not a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Because That's right. if you don't shoot your compound bow consistently, you will never be consistent accurate. I will hundred percent agree. And why I'm I'm ashamed to say this. I have not been in the deer hunting woods yet this year because I have not shot my bow enough to even want but to go in the deer hunting woods. If you had a crossbow, you <laughs> would have already be. been in the woods there. <laughs> okay, so, right. I mean, from you, you, you didn't even shoot this question my way because you know where I'm going <laughs> to go with this. <laughs> I said Bill and Dad, and then I just kind of <laughs> yeah. migrated over to Dad. But, but yeah, but for me, I think I know their personality somewhat, right? So the kayak and the fishing, and I think they – they want to get into the lifestyle. They want to do it all summer long. And for me, that's what, when I bought my bow, I could have bought a crossbow, but I bought my bow because I thought, man, I could go all summer. I can shoot 3D. I can get a block. When I'm at my in-laws, I can go down and I can just shoot out because they're, they're out in the middle of nowhere. I could, I, it's something I can do. I can go out on my lunch because I worked remotely. I could, I could go out and shoot anytime I wanted. And, and I did, and I got really proficient. And it was awesome. And if I had a crossbow, that would have been lost. And so to answer your question, Wendy, to be honest, I knew back then when I bought it, I thought, okay, I want something versatile. I want something I can be able to sell if I upgrade, yada, yada, yada. And so I knew that Diamond was made by Bowtech. Again, not sponsored by anybody, but Diamond was made by Bowtech and they made this infinite edge. This thing went from 13 inch draw length to like 32 inch draw length. It covered the gambit. So not only you could get it and shoot it, then you could pass it down to your son because it can go that small. And I looked at it, but then I thought, you know what? 
you're going to go in and, and then you don't know the poundage you can. So it's adjustable in poundage from, I don't even know what it goes from. It's insane. And then I, and it's still around. They still make it today. So obviously it meets a, a market, but then I got thinking, but if you go in, cause that's what I was going to buy when I first, but then I went into the archery shop and Michael Waddell shot a Hoyt and I had watched TV forever and I had to have a Hoyt because of that. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I can admit it. So when I went into the archery shop, they took the time to go, okay, well you can buy that one and it's completely adjustable, but you're going to get it and never adjust it. So why don't you, why don't we fit you with one? And then you can pick whatever bow you want off the shelf and it doesn't matter what brand it is or cause it's going to be fit for you. So really the, the, the best advice I give is figure out if you want to just get in the woods and hunt, or if you want the lifestyle of doing something and, and practicing it and getting proficient with it and having a passion for it. And then just go into an archery shop and, and they will fit you. Right. And they're going to help you with what arrows you need at that point. And like, I've got specific arrows I use, but they're not going to be the same. Having that, a heart, yeah. They, I'm they, having they, a hard they, time biting my tongue here. Well, so you can cut me off at any time, but that's what I, 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 I didn't want to respond to her just personally back. I thought we'll yeah. bring it up. She, she mentioned it on one of our Facebook posts or something. It was like, Hey, this, and I'm like, her message did her or something. And I'm like, that's a good topic. So we'll bring it up. Yeah. So that's my two cents, Bill. I'll give you You're the right. floor. I'll give you the floor. I'm going to give you your, I'm going to give you a counter argument to this one here. I have, uh, I started off my bow hunting career and I'm not going to go into too much detail with, with compound. Started off with a compound bow when I had a lot of time. I was in high school. I didn't have a wife, wife, kids, family, uh, uh, job obligations whatsoever. I was able to go out to a field and shoot, you know, three, four times a week if I wanted to. That is, and I, I changed from a Golden Eagle with aluminum arrows, and I went to a Hoyt Vectrix, you know, carbon arrows and all that stuff. My wife, she's got a PSC, she, she's got a, a compound bow. What, what, but wait, it wait, just got, what, she still shoots that today? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just, just yeah, asking. Yeah, she's got a, a PSC Stinger, and she shoots it better than you shoot yours. I promise you. <laughs> I'll give you that one because I haven't shot mine in forever. But she also drinks yeah. coffee. So, but anyway, carry yeah. on. Carry nice. on. Carry right. So, <laughs> the, but I've got two kids that are uh, hunting age now. And, and I bought two uh, um, Excalibur Micro, one 355 and one 380 for the simple reason that I don't have a, a ton of time to practice like I used to. I've got an archery shop right around the corner from my house here. Uh, I can have 3D archery all the time. I have the best of intent, best of uh, you know <laughs> intentions to go out and, and shoot all the time. I've got a 50-yard archery range in my backyard. I've got that much space there. But I just don't find the time to be able to hunt or to, to practice that I could be um, uh good enough to go out to the woods and feel like I can shoot a deer. I've shot deer with, with my compound, no problem. But for me, for my family situation, for just getting my kids into it, the kids couldn't pull enough weight back with a compound to be able to hunt ethically or by the law, but for that matter. So the compound or the bowl was not an option for them. If I was going to have them shoot 3d archery or tiger practice in the backyard, I did buy them compound bowls, but to get into hunting, I needed to go to the co uh, the the uh, uh, crossbow and give them that option to be able to practice a little bit in the backyard and feel comfortable by putting the crosshairs on the animal one. 
I'm going to do the animal justice by, by making sure that it's a clean ethical kill and to give the kids the confidence that they're, they're comfortable to make that ethical shot when, when they're in the woods. So, yeah, well there's said, two sides though. of it. No, that's well said. And, and I got a couple takeaways that you just said women, children and the elderly. You recommend a crossbow, which we, we agree. We're on the same page. <laughs> Don, smack him. Just just give him a quick cuff upside the head. Maybe you'll reset him. I'm not sure. Well, what he just but. said is that the arrogant use these uh, compound bullets. And what I took yeah. from that long speech he gave, I'll, I'll tell you what I heard, was that... Uh, you heard something? I'm impressed. Yes, I heard him say that I don't want to sound arrogant or cocky, uh, blah, 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 yada, 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 and there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> My wife actually looked down through the rugs and said, you sound like an arrogant <laughs> beep. <laughs> so I'm trying to get my point across what, here I mean, lead Bill in. I, I, we, it, there, is, there is nothing better than, than bringing new people on. And, and, and the end of it, it's what do you want to get out of it? And, and for Wendy, by the sounds of it, a simple, simple fact is she wants to get in the woods. And if it's the quickest way to get her in the woods to be able to provide her the most comfort with the time that she has, I don't know what time she has. Maybe she has the time to develop the lifestyle and a shooting style and get proficient with a, a crossbow or sorry, a compound bow. But if she doesn't and she wants to partake in the hunting world and all three members of her family can shoot one bow as opposed to having to buy three bows for the family, a crossbow would be my recommendation. Exactly. And I've shot Todd's crossbow or not crossbow, a compound bow. And for me, it was not uh, the confidence that I was going to bring home anything ever because I was shooting only at targets. And I finally got to the point where, OK, if I do this and I do that and that's right. Yep, that's correct. And I've got this thumb at my corner of my mouth and I've got this bead in the right place and and yep that thought and then whoa i did i hit the bullseye son of a gun eh and that was standing comfortable and perfect well i can't go through all of that the deer doesn't going to be that that's much why you got to do it a lot so it becomes second yeah. nature exactly and i that's and, it. and i don't yep. and and so i couldn't see myself in a tree or in a stand and making sure i do all that and then still have the deer standing there when i was ready to shoot or and I'm I'm leaning this way or leaning that way or it's a little bit behind me or it, it I wasn't going to be able to apply all that. But I'd shot a gun or a rifle and a shotgun all my life. And so to put up the crossbow, look through the scope with the crosshairs, I could rest it anywhere. I could lean anywhere as long as those crosshairs were where they were supposed to be. And now I could bow hunt. <laughs> I'll tell you. Let me tell you a quick story on that. So when we took that over to get his crossbow, we're in the archery shop and they have a little range beside it. it's 20 yards and the guy's in there sighting it in with them and, and dad, okay, does that look good? Yep. Okay. Everything do, do they keep shooting it, move it over, move it over. So like, okay, we think we got it. We think we're there. So take your shot and this will be it. So dad loads the bolt, takes the shot, boom, dead center of the bullseye, 20 yards crossbow, right? Like, come on. My grandmother with no hands could pull that off. So anyway, Give me a so blindfolded and with her one leg, Tied See up. what so, I mean? He just sure. can't anyway, sure. anyway, so so yeah. she blasts. So he blasts. This, she blasts. This, so he blasts it. So the guy says, "Okay, load it up. Take another one." And Dad's going, "Okay, but wait a minute. I just bought these arrows. Shouldn't you get that arrow out of there?" 
And the guy laughs. The kid laughs and he says, look, we call that a Robin Hood. And if you Robin Hood that, I'll give you a free half dozen. That's like, all right, whatever. Boom. I'll be darned if he doesn't Robin Hood it. There's a free half dozen arrows. Yeah. It went right down the middle and never, never went one side or the other. I split that sucker like a banana and stuck right into it. And that arrow, this banana is hanging up on my shed right now. <laughs> like his first time buying a bow crossbow ever he does it Sold and the kid's got to give himself a dozen and probably had to pay for it out of his own pocket that's it so what do you think of the logic Bernie what do you think of the logic between the compound and the crossbow there uh, I just to make it short and sweet I mimic everything you said you mean me right yeah yeah exactly no no. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think, think you like need to work. Me? I think you need to work on your moose call. <laughs> I'll settle down. Yeah. The, 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 for me, like I be honest with you, I, deer hunting is my passion. I live for it, and I shoot a crossbow. And it's not because I, I, I I'm scared of a compound. It's time, and I know. That if I give myself enough time, I can I, I can be very confident with the compound in the bush. But to get out in the woods, to work, to run a business, come home, make sure everything's good on the home front, and then get out in the woods eats up a lot of your time. And for me to come home and grab my comp or my crossbow and go in the bush and feel confident, to me that's that's everything. Because I would never want to put an arrow into a deer that I wasn't confident I could kill it, right? That's the key right there. That's why I said I would never and have the time to get that good where I could just get up and do that every time. I, 90% of the time, I wouldn't even be taking the shot, so why bother? Which is why yeah, I haven't gone hunting this year. That's the sole reason right there, Bernie, why you're welcome back on our podcast anytime. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you can agree with the almost guy, you're welcome back. When we can have, like, an overwhelming majority against Todd, you're welcome back. Uh, and I'm willing to say you're all right because I haven't hunted this year because I haven't had time to shoot my bow. And if I had a crossbow, yeah. I'd be there. Yeah, that's, that's what I tried to tell you weeks ago. But yeah, sorry. But I've shot a compound forever. Though, I'm not. I'm not sponsored by anybody. But if you can afford it, buy a Raven crossbow because they are absolutely out of this world. Why would you say a Raven over an Excalibur? Well, a Raven crossbow, when it's fully cocked, is seven inches uh, cam to cam. So that's tight. It can. It literally fits in my backpack, cocked. It's it's incredible, and they're they're like you know the Excalibur Micro. You've you've seen one of them. So he's got it, two of them. It's half the size of that. And it shoots 450 feet per second. The new one That's shoots fast. 500. I just went on their site. Yeah. Yeah. And I Robin Hood, a Raven crossbow, I Robin Hood at 50 yards. They're incredible. It's a pretty neat looking yeah. machine. And I've, I've shot 10 point crossbows my whole life. And two days before I was going to go moose hunting this year, my limbs blew apart on me. And yeah, it was, I don't know what went wrong. Still to this day, can't figure it out, but I had, they couldn't fix it. So I had no option. So I went out and bought a Raven crossbow. I put about a dozen arrows through it and went hunting with it. And the first day I had it hunting, I shot a bull moose with it. But like the thing's incredible. It can shoot 
I can shoot four inch groupings at a hundred yards with it. My gosh. Yeah, that's it. I mean, then you got confidence in, in your equipment too. You know, you, yeah. So, yeah, it's so good. I mean, you know, we're getting kind of close on time here. I don't want to go too late, but we're going to have to have another discussion on this, Todd, to talk about <laughs> some, you know, be, we talked about compound and crossbow cool, but we should also talk maybe a little bit about what you got in your pack as a, a new hunter and what gives most gadgets to. Yeah, uh, we, or, we did it last year. We got, there's new stuff too yet, right? So we can, we yeah, can, knock that. We can do, yeah. do some of that for Wendy too, or whoever is listening that might want to uh, get into it so yeah no i agree because you know what there's we're a dying breed so the more people that take an interest in it uh the happier i am because uh we're strength in numbers right and the less they can the less uh the less people into it the more they can take away from us so that's the way Agreed. i agree 100 percent just the purpose for the podcast right on well, well yeah we appreciate your time bernie really do it's been Thanks a pleasure for coming on. on bernie it's been really interesting yeah, yeah no it's been great time i enjoyed this a lot enjoyed nope. this a lot so did i i want to get to know i want to get to know more about todd's friends and todd because obviously todd's not the captain i thought he was <laughs> <laughs> we, we we don't ever have titles here <laughs> mutiny's hat can happen in the blink of an eye <laughs> That's it. It's gotta be on your game. Oh, so you Look at Bernie. So you've good. opened a door that you can't close now, Bernie. Just to let you know, if I got you, big shoulders. If you can dish it, you better be able to take it. It's go. It's game on. I like it. Yeah, it I like game it. Game on. Let's do it. Let's do it. That's awesome. I want to hear more about your exploit with the Booner blind too. You didn't even get to that. Yeah. What your application to the Booner? We got to have you back and hear that. Yeah, maybe you yeah, two can no, compare. I, I'm I'm totally game for it. Whenever you want to have me back, just uh, have Todd shoot me a message and uh, I'll yeah. come back on. Might do it a couple Good weeks deal. after the control. Dad can tell the story how he fell out, and you can tell maybe the story how you shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm actually I'm actually not in the controlled hunt this year. I'm uh, I'm on the filming crew this year. So, all right. I, uh, I forgot to apply for it this year. I thought I did it, and I didn't. Yeah, so life I'm gets running busy. the camera the whole control hunt. <laughs> Oh, well, that'll just make it sweeter when you get one with the the, the crossbow with the over there. And the... <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Well, I, best I'm of luck to you and your group. That's it. Yeah, you too, guys. Yep. Appreciate right. your time. Thanks, Bernie. Take care. No problem. Have All a right. good night, everybody. Good night. You guys. Good night. And that'll do it for this week, folks, for the Redneck Country Podcast. I'm Bill, the Almost Guy Tom. And I'm Todd. Thanks for listening. And folks, if you want to be part of the podcast or you want to give us some feedback or really contact us about anything, feel free to email us at podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Again, that's podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again next week. <laughs>